0: This is Thomas DePoen.
1: This is Max.
2: This is Kevin Hamm.
1: Hey, this is Jake
2: Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box.
0: So we've talked about disorders a couple of times before and how there are some we like because of their mechanical effects and some that are frustrating. And so we, I was thinking we could sort of take a look at those and outline why we like some of them and how we might want to improve others. And I just want to clarify, we're mostly talking from a game design perspective because there's a lot to go into. None of
2: us are psychiatrists.
0: Yeah, we're not real psychiatrists or psychologists of any kind or even fake psychologists yeah uh, that is really a whole segment on its own at some point probably is getting the actual mental health issues correct
2: i think that's a segment for a different show my
0: theoretical
2: psychology degree
0: that's probably a spin-off show is one episode per disorder and how not to fuck it
1: up yeah, it's the legal disclaimer. We're not uh, medical professionals or legal professionals, so don't, don't listen or to us. Or professionals of any kind. Nobody should listen to us ever.
3: But anyways, we um, had this lovely list of disorders in the delta green role-playing game and someone was nice enough maybe even someone in this very conversation to sort all the disorders into different baskets based on how they mechanically affect you in the game wow
1: who would do such a thing what kind of an absolute madman who has obsessive compulsive disorder perhaps well whoever this selfless
2: angel is and yet that doesn't have access to a spreadsheet apparently in all of- Did it all in a plain Whoever text editor. Yeah.
0: Selfless Angel is. They sorted out the disorders. Madman! <laughs> they sorted out the disorders <laughs> the three different baskets, as Melon said. Uh, some of the disorders give you penalties on all your actions. Some of them incur a temporary insanity. And some of them just have unique mechanics. Uh, that play out whenever you get the Acute episode. So which sounds more fun to you guys? Do we want to start with our broccoli or go straight to dessert?
3: I think that it's an important contrast to contrast um, the ones that have their own mechanics with the ones that just inflict a, a numeric penalty.
1: Yeah. What was the design decision? Like, what, what do you guys think the design decision was between, you know, the ones where it's just like, you know, you get a minus 20% your rolls versus... The cool stuff that happens for some of the special ones.
0: Like, why did they do it that way? I think probably just the difficulty of making some of these the actual symptoms of these disorders really engaging in a gameplay perspective. So they just wanted it to have some kind of effect.
3: There's some stuff that's that's hard to actually um, come up with a mechanical thing for. Because, like, one of the things that depression can do is it can just make you do nothing. But that's really hard to communicate in a role-playing game. Also,
2: ironically, makes for a very uninteresting uh gameplay
3: yeah
0: yeah i was gonna say which like, i
2: guess is appropriate
0: i've dealt with depression before and that's certainly how it's affected me but i don't know that you said how that really makes for something interesting when you're out on a mission
2: it's almost as though playing a character with depression isn't very much fun
0: yeah indeed which is interesting because uh, i also looked at Knights black agents which is like the gumshoe vampire spy game by ken height who also wrote fall of delta green And he has some very elaborate mechanics for it, but they are maybe a kind of uh, very action movie, very heightened, let's say, version of what depression is, where it really focuses on your diminished sense of self-worth and self-preservation. So when I think action movie guy
1: who has depression, I think of... um... Riggs from lethal weapon because at the beginning of lethal weapon he's got his bread in his mouth and he's about to shoot himself and for some reason he still gets to go off on a really cool adventure so your agent can as well
2: hey i can think of an action movie character with depression jack o'neill in stargate the film uh, i'm not familiar when with the it. film starts his son had just killed himself the mission is go to abydos and if you find egyptian aliens set off this nuke and he fucking volunteers
1: oh yeah I guess, you know, maybe that the suicidal thought or the the diminished sense of self-worth could be the reason why someone is still like willing willing to go through with it.
3: Depression is one of a disorder like paranoia, where it's too similar to the way people play the game already. Well, I I wouldn't say that.
0: So the way depression works in Delta Green is that these crushing feelings of despair or maybe guilt give you a minus 20% to all actions. But in Knights Black Agents, the way it works is... Uh, you cannot initiate combat. You cannot take the first action. You always take the last action in the turn order uh, during combat or during a chase scene. And your hit threshold is lower by one. So essentially all your enemies get a bonus to attack you. To go back
1: to the analog I made earlier, there's a scene in Lethal Weapon where Riggs is engaging a guy who is basically like in a second or third story building with a rifle and he doesn't shoot at the guy first with like a rifle like, you know, in such a way that would make sense. He walks into the middle of the playground with his pistol and, uh, chooses to fight that way, just like in the open. It's like, uh, almost verbatim what you're describing there with those Knights nice black agent rules. So it's, it's interesting that instead of it just being a penalty though, it comes with, uh, mechanical, uh, not engagements, I guess disengagements, right?
3: So I, um, I just want to f- context this appropriately, um... The, there's lots of disorders in the game that just give you a neg-20 to all act, actions. So addiction, anxiety, depersonalization, depression, obsession, and OCD can all give it to you. They have the same consequences. The difference is how they... is what causes them to activate. So there's some like addiction, which is you don't get your fix and you hit the bad thing. Uh, obsession is that um, it applies to things that take a certain amount of time. OCD ap- applies to stuff that um, is part of your obsession. Um, depersonalization just kind of, up tr- it just triggers using the usual disorder triggering rules, which are the three linked sand tests in a row.
0: Yeah, addiction and obsession are probably the more interesting ones in that category, just because there's a little more to them than the flat penalty. With addiction, you have to keep feeding the addiction every day to avoid the penalty. And with obsession, it doesn't affect your moment-to-moment actions, only longer term. Like when you're trying to perform research or arrange an official requisition, I imagine. Could really uh, bog an investigation down. You know, you're
1: trying to look up these people, but then you just keep getting distracted by your obsession to
0: whatever. Yeah, and Night's Black Agents also has kind of an alternate version of obsession that is fairly interesting. So that one is you take six points out of your different general skills and put them into a new pool of obsession points that you can only use when it's related to your obsession. So I guess the Delta Green equivalent would be you take 10 points out of four different skills and you put them into a new obsession skill that you can only use when you're interacting with the object or focus of your obsession. So I think that could be kind of interesting in the sense that you may not know anything about Marine biology, but you sure know about weird shit, weird carcasses that get washed on the beach from the ocean.
3: The thing I was thinking about is how um, we've got this list of of stuff that has uh, pretty much all the same effect, though it triggers differently, and then you've got your your ones with your special mechanics that inflict some other kind of status effect on you. So I guess I guess the thing I'm thinking here is that you can divide disorders by. Um, their, the mechanical effect they inflict, but you could also sort them differently if you wanted to sort them based on under what circumstances they trigger. Because some of these are very specific, like one, of, you know, if you have the fear of loud noises, you can get that disorder activated by a loud noise. But some of them just use the generic rule of when you lose sand, you test to see if your disorder activates.
0: Yeah, that's true. Some of them, the stimulus is a little loosey goosey, and I think with PTSD, you see that as well, where. That one actually has two different effects. That one can act like depression or intermittent explosive disorder, depending on whatever the handler thinks would be more appropriate.
3: Yeah, and uh, that one at least has – a. I think people can at least have enough of an idea in their head of what that disorder is like that they could hypothetically come up with a semi-credible circumstance in which you could activate. One of the things about disorder activation that I have trouble with is stuff like um, amnesia. What does it mean to have, under what circumstances would that activate, and what would it do while it was alive?
2: Have I told on air my story of the one time when I used amnesia as a disorder?
3: Yeah, you said that it was in when you were running the Warwood Arena, and that one was was pretty good, but... It's
2: so um, contextual.
3: It, it's a super cool scenar- circumstance from where you got it, but I think it still doesn't help us figure out how would that ever come up again. But please tell the story. Okay, so
2: the story is, I was running an early draft of Rhea for a couple of guys I know. And without spoiling the scenario, uh, they get into a situation where one of the two agents on the field has died, and the other one goes around a corner to see his dead buddy, and then blacks out, and... The next thing he knows, he's getting drunk in a bar in Texas. No idea what happened, no idea where the monster is, no idea how he got there. And it was great. Uh, my lead into that, I guess my, my takeaway from that was going to be, I think amnesia is one you can't really have a general rule for. The handler is going to have to customize it each and every time it comes up. So it's probably one of the hardest ones on there. But it certainly has the potential to be awesome. How I would do it is that what I would have uh, is... Is the agent suffering from amnesia occasionally gets little flashes of memory, or like things that he saw or heard or smelled in response to stimulus that's occurring now?
3: Yes,
1: that's what I was going to suggest because I had a class the other day about interviewing people who have suffered through traumatic events related to like the, the crime they've been victim to. And a lot of the times, like when your fight, flight, or freeze stimulus triggers, um, it deactivates like the finer parts of your brain, the ones that are like linked to memory creation. and just goes like straight to the reptilian brain.
2: Lizard brain.
1: When someone is trying to recall something and they just can't, it's often important to uh, try and put them back into the place that they came from. You know, ask them, you know, well, what do you remember? Was there any sort of a smell? Do you remember feeling anything um, how did you feel at the time it happened like emotionally? Because like scent is something that is pretty strong. So if I had a character who was suffering from amnesia and you know, they got it while they were trying to uh I don't know, pour a chemical on a shaga to make it uh, you know, go away. Maybe the next time. On the maybe the next time they're in a lab working with uh, chemicals and they smell the same thing, then it triggers the amnesia disorder. Like it it might be like a failed home scene, or it might be them planning to do something else later, you know, a different investigation. So
3: you know you know what I would do with amnesia if I was running like a campaign game? Uh rather rather than using it like a disorder, I would use it like the added memories trait in eclipse phase which is that it's basically just unlimited license for the handler to fuck with the character. So they can say, like, actually, the cult leader is your dad. Actually, you're a Shoggoth. That's that's good. Actually, you you killed actually,
2: him. Actually, John, you are the Titans.
0: I, I feel like I keep harkening back to different gumshoe games when we're talking about D- Delta Green, but Trail of Cthulhu does something sort of similar to that, where when someone gets amnesia, you ask them to leave the room, and then the GM and all the other players decide on an event that did happen within the course of the game quote-unquote but then that player doesn't remember it at all and so their player character doesn't remember it and since the player was out of the room when it was determined the player genuinely has no idea what they're talking about that's good just gas. just fucking gaslight your friends
2: I love to do a deep dive among other things on the way Trail of Cthulhu does uh, madness and insanity disorders and stuff in the the later segment in which we t- we discuss gaslighting your players yeah that's fucking great
0: <laughs> yes definitely and there
2: I love it I've done it like three times every time it's been comedy gold
0: and I don't know if I would grab a lot of the disorders as written from trail. Just because, like Knights Black Agents, it's kind of written from a genre perspective rather than a more like serious mental health perspective the way Delta Green does it. But there's some really good stuff in there for just fucking with your players.
1: Melon, you mentioned taking amnesia and just using it as a license to just kind of fuck with the players. Uh, there is a disorder that when I hear it, I think of it as basically like the uh, handler takes control of the agent. And that one is uh, fugue states.
3: Do not like it. Yeah.
1: Well, why don't you like it?
3: Because it's the opposite of what I just said. I'm talking about the handler coming up with a fucked up backstory element. Fugue state is. Hey, let me have. Let me see that character sheet for a second. All right. Go. Go get a drink or something. I'm playing the game you for know, you now. Fugue state
2: is a less interesting version, I think, than of um, temporary insanities. It's that, but less interesting.
3: Yeah. It's that because instead of instead of like fight, flight, or freeze, it's. Hey, just stand there. Hey, just go, you wander off.
1: Well, see, that's what I'm saying. I'd take it like a step further. Like, um, you know, if the player is trying to uh, do something with their agent, like if they're trying to complete a task or whatever, and something triggers their, their D.I.D., Wait, no, not, not dissociative identity, sorry, sorry. If something triggers their fugue states, then, you know, the GM can take control of the character and just make it do something else entirely, something ridiculous.
3: I will say some of these disorders I really like from a narrative perspective. Like, I think uh, depersonalization is really cool, where you it feels like everything is happening to someone else, but it's just mechanically, and I think it's just mechanically a like neg-20 to your actions. So how do you play that?
1: You play it in
0: a third person over the shoulder mode. I play one person who got in one of my games, they proceeded to role play it as sort of this kind of dreamy unflappability where they were just kind of nothing could really shake them or alarm them because it wasn't really happening to them.
3: Uh, One thing that I've noticed is uh, one of the, one of the disorders that has its own unique mechanic is sleep disorder. And there's two things about sleep disorder that are noteworthy. Uh, First of all, um you have to so the way the way it works is you have to roll sand every time you want to sleep and failure means that you cannot uh get the benefits from sleeping. Um it can cause exhaustion which causes a neg 20 to your actions and that neg 20 stacks with the neg 20 from another disorder activating. So it's extremely dangerous when paired with anything else because it can mean basically a complete collapse of your character's ability to do anything. But here's the really gnarly part and this part is probably not how it actually run it in game, but let's just say we run it rules as written. Um being super, super exhausted, running out of all your willpower, all that stuff, makes it so you can't succeed on any die rolls, including the die roll that you need to sleep. So you can be perpetually locked in a zero willpower state.
1: Well, then you're not playing. Well, my... I like
3: Exactly.
0: The problem with sleep disorder is that is not really a problem with sleep disorder. It's kind of a problem with the exhaustion and the willpower mechanic. Because you don't really need a second disorder to already get yourself to neg 40. You just need to lose enough willpower that you're down to one or two and get the exhaustion penalty, because that those are two separate things.
3: I would like those mechanics to be unified. I would like it to just be, when you don't sleep for this long, you lose this much willpower, and when you get to this certain amount of willpower, then you start taking penalties. Not two separate tracks that overlap Yeah, it should absolutely be that
2: way. So on the subject of unifying mechanics, I'm going to say about sleep disorder a similar thing that I said about Fugue State, which is that sleep disorder is a slightly, is a more annoying version of the sleeplessness rules that exist already, wherein you have to roll sanity to go to sleep. Anytime you try to go to sleep after suffering a temporary insanity or gaining a new disorder, which means if you gain a new disorder and it's sleeplessness, you got to make that sand roll to go to sleep twice.
0: Oh damn, I forgot that was a thing.
2: I just ignore it.
3: Yeah, I ignore that because um, I, I generally don't do a whole lot with exhaustion anyways, because I feel like it's... I understand that, like, part of part of the cop show meta is, like, the characters are doing stuff instead of sleeping, and, like, that's really thematically appropriate for all the green, but on the other hand, um, I don't want to, like, punish the players for continuing to interact with my content that I've created by telling them they need to go take a nap, unless I'm trying to set something up, like, someone break into the room at night, and it's actually a trick to get them to shoot that person, so then they'll get stuck in an investigation. It's a good
2: trick. Someone should write a scenario well, like it's, that.
3: Well, it's a good trick, but the problem is that then if that's the only reason that I make, it, that I make them sleep, then they're obviously going to get suspicious. So I have to do that background level of ma- forcing them to maintain the bodily functions in order to cloak when I'm really using it to fuck with people.
1: Here's another cycle you might find yourself caught in uh, concerning sleep disorder. So uh, you have difficulty sleeping. So you go to the doctor and you tell the doctor, hey, I need some medicine to make me go to sleep. And he prescribes you the medication that makes you go to sleep, right? But then you find that that's the only way that you're able to go to sleep is when you take that medicine. So then you develop the addiction to your sleeping pills. So now you have two disorders that are related to sleeping. And you have to indulge the addiction every day. And all it does is offset your uh, your 20% penalty that you take to trying to go to sleep. But then you have a 20% penalty for not
0: taking your pills. So It is interesting seeing, yeah, that kind of comorbidity, I guess, that just emerges from some of the gameplay mechanics. So what is you guys', uh, I don't want to
1: say favorite disorder, but which one is the most interesting to you? Or I guess whichever one is your most favorite too, Melon?
3: Okay, uh, the good disorders I think are generally the ones that have um, unique mechanics associated with them that are not just neg twenty. I think that the one that we all that the one that we keep coming back to as like a very strong design is megalomania.
0: Megalomania is a good one. Totemic compulsion is a good one.
2: I've used megalomania a lot uh, at my table because I have one player to whom it's basically just the way he plays characters anyway, and it's always great because. It's it, he he leans hundred percent into it. It's fucking hilarious, dude. You can fuck a party face up like that. Yeah. So when when we did the Mountains of Madness run, and he was playing the, the the German doctor who who defected to America because he didn't like the way the country was going. Um, he picked up megalomania on the voyage to Antarctica, and then played the rest of the adventure as like the doctor Mangle basically.
3: Wasn't he Doctor Mangle's dad? He canonically? was. He was Doctor
2: was never mentioned uh, younger brother. Sounds like he got a bout of amnesia. Nice. <laughs>
1: Megalomania. Can't use charisma times five. Bureaucracy, disguise, persuader, psychotherapy as others.
3: No, no, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. Megalomania. Oh! oh!
1: Got him. Good one.
3: But anyways, yeah. Uh, continue describing the uh, mechanical effects of this It's just basically
1: thing. that your guy's so full of himself or herself that, like, they think that they're a god and nobody else can do anything right and I'm the only one that should talk to these people.
2: Automatically fails essentially all personal interaction skill tests i would include human in that as well though it's not written
0: yeah i would include human as well
2: it sounds a lot like
0: uh like narcissism as well like from a real
2: life that's, personality no, that's trait actually what it is like
0: they don't call it megalomania anymore it's narcissistic personality disorder
3: there's a lot of stuff in here that's um like if you look at the dsm they give it a different word now or they fold it into something like else it was
2: written by a bunch of boomers sorry too soon quiet boom god i'm in the distance i don't get it
3: um
1: So, uh, Tom, you wrote uh, the trail mechanic for Megalomania. How is it different from
0: uh, Delta Green? So, I don't know if it's superior to the existing one, because the existing one is pretty good. But the trail one is good in a way that is different. Uh, In Trail of Cthulhu, when you have Megalomania, every time you fail a skill roll, uh, the GM describes it as this brilliant triumph on your part, and then asks you to leave the room. And then... Then the GM tells everybody else at the table just how badly you messed it up. <laughs> so when the player comes back, they refuse to believe everybody who tells them that it was actually a a mistake what they've done. No, you didn't mean to wrap your car around that telephone
2: pole. It's another amazing example of gaslighting your players.
3: It seems like there's a lot of overhead to that, though. Oh, yeah. If you have to do that every time.
2: I think maybe just critical
0: skill tests there would be important. Yeah, I wouldn't do it every time. Like, I think at a really intense moment like that, you're in the middle of a car chase and then you fail your drive roll. Yeah, that would be really interesting. It's it's you idiots who let them get away.
2: Yeah, I'd I'd say handler's discretion there to hold back on triggering that one until it's narratively hilarious. I mean, appropriate. Sorry, appropriate. Speaking of bad
1: personality related disorders, I think intermittent explosive disorder is one of my favorites where, you know. Your character just gets pissed off at nothing, so you can just run them like they're a uh, a wasp at a restaurant that didn't get their order uh, correctly. Yeah, that's... What? what? A wasp? Yeah, a, a wasp. Like a Seinfeld a reference? A white Anglo-Saxon Protestant woman, typically. Like a, middle, like a middle-aged mom with the, uh, can I speak to the manager haircut?
3: Is this like a reference to something? Yeah, no, you've
1: never seen this
2: before?
3: Like, um... I thought you were referencing the Chinese restaurant episode, but they're definitely not Protestants, they're Jews.
2: Well, I mean, what's the difference, really? I mean... Other than the whole Jesus thing.
3: Fucking easy there, Martin Luther.
1: <laughs> but can I speak to the manager haircut? Anyways. I don't get it. Uh, you'd never... You, have you ever worked retail?
3: Not in
2: a restaurant. Or, I mean,
1: just in a Mellon's shop Melon's part in of general. the
2: academic ivory tower, remember?
1: Well, anyways, um, intermittent explosive disorder is when your character gets mad for no good reason.
3: Well, here's here's the thing. In Delta Green, it's not necessarily no good reason. Like, it activates on a sand test, and a sand test is a piece of your soul leaving forever. I think that's an absolutely valid reason to be mad, because 1% of my fucking life force, at minimum, 1% of my life force has just gone Spoken away.
2: like an agent with intermittent explosive disorder. The handler can just
0: call for a sand test to see if the disorder triggers. It doesn't necessarily have to be an existing
2: sand test for something else. If I was the handler, I would give Melon's agent that disorder, and I would let him decide when it triggers.
3: Yeah, I don't need a disorder to tell me when to shoot exactly. people in this game.
2: This is the thing: is I, I but, give disorders. But, but,
3: here's, but I mean, here's the thing: here's the thing. This disorder is not like I blast that guy. This disorder is like I kick the um, case
2: officer in the teeth until someone. It holds doesn't him back. even.
3: It doesn't have to be um, even physical violence, Smash honestly. Smash for like the way that because like because like like someone who is who has an explosive personality disorder can be a beater. They can like hit their spouse or whatever. But some of them will just fucking go off on you. They'll like they'll scream at their kids. I mean, some of them also hit their kids. Like, there's all kinds of ways that it can express. I, I think that I think the using the temp. I would I would say that using the temp for violence is appropriate because it makes pretty good use of an existing mechanic. But it's not necessarily the only way that that can manifest. So, the way that I play the game, which is engineer every circumstance that I face no consequences for doing whatever it is which I want, which is usually killing somebody, that's not the way an intermittent explosive behaves at all. That was just me. Well,
0: I think it's a good way to represent something we've mentioned before that you do, which is if you're adapted to violence, your temp insanity is probably going to be fight. This is a good way to justify it. Uh, And I also think it has an interesting comorbidity with uh, megalomania. I don't know if those two are actually comorbid in real life, but in terms of game mechanics, I think it's interesting that someone, you don't like how someone is treating you and you don't have the social skills to defuse the situation. And so it just escalates to the point where you want to take this person and shake them by the neck.
3: That, yeah, that's, that's a, certainly described a lot of delta green interactions perhaps even situations where you're trying to interrogate an npc and it's not going anywhere
0: well i would say in that situation that risks doing permanent harm you may not want to
3: well yeah but the whole thing of disorders is that you don't um have a lot of control over that but i but i want disorders to be more than um telling you what your temp is because otherwise it doesn't feel like it makes that much of a difference i think a good a good a good effect for a disorder is something that that elicits a temp even in situations where you um, wouldn't otherwise have to contend right, with one. That's
0: what I would that's what I would use them for is that suddenly for this very minor stimuli that wouldn't normally trigger you now you're in fight or flight mode.
3: The other thing is there's also that um there's I think there's disorders that already work that way by rules is written, but one of the things that I realize that I've been doing is I've been making um I've been actually been making temps a lot less punitive than they are in the rulebook because I didn't realize that fleeing, you have to flee until um, number until con number of rounds, which is like between ten and like thirteen Wait, for most what? agents. You flee, you run away for a number of rounds equal to your constitution. Are you That's in the rulebook? Um, would you? Are you asking me to, no, to crack no, open I've, my I've already, labyrinth already of already PDFs? Have my
1: PDF? Open, I'm looking. Oh my god, you're right. I've never actually seen that.
0: So I had an idea. This isn't really related to disorders anymore, I guess, but I had an idea that one way to try and limit those is, we've mentioned before, we don't really like the repression mechanic. Uh, You try to hold off an instance of a temporary insanity or an acute disorder. One way you might make it more useful is that you can still use it after the acute episode or temp insanity has begun. You can try like allow someone to make one attempt at it per turn to snap themselves out of it.
3: So, here's one that um is a special mechanic but I think is a bit tough to um I wouldn't just hand it out on a whim. Dissociative identity disorder is one that is quite I know we said we're not going to go into this, but it's quite controversial among like brain scientists and so on for how it actually might work. The thinking is that, um because people are like, well, how does that like manifest? Like how how does like having trauma make you believe that you're somebody else? And depending on who you ask, it's potentially the brain coming up with a section of itself whose job it is to soak up abuse. So but it's
1: like a like a personality armor?
3: Yeah, you're basically creating a bond that does nothing except take sand damage for you. But it's something that like if if that is how it works and Again, this is like not settled science is my is my the impression that I've got. It's something that primarily happens in like kids, right? Like that's how where, I, that's where I it didn't, starts. I
1: didn't do this. Uh, Susie did this or whatever.
3: I don't know that that's the direction that it goes that it goes in, but um, that's just because the kids are the ones that are most likely to be in that circumstance where they are that powerless to defend themselves uh, when they try to eat the tuspa egg. But um, the Thing that I would I would not use this um, unless it was a circumstance that was expressly caused by something besides uh, just regular old sand damage. So I've given characters this disorder when they have been fucking with like brain science machines or with stuff like drinking ghoul juice and then eating someone's brain. Those are the things of the circumstances where I would give someone this disorder. If because that is. Something that in the game world, in the context of what they're doing, would already make sense for them to have someone else inside so it's their brain. something
0: explicitly unnatural in origin. Like there is actually a foreign intelligence grappling for control of your brain.
3: Yeah, just because otherwise it's so difficult to come up with like a believable like, hey, say hello to Douglas. He share here's his, here's his character sheet. He, this is you now. Like it's it's difficult to 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 fit into the game unless you have some really strong diegetic reason for the character to have it
1: yeah it's good i've seen uh some of the people that you've handed this out to at the discord server and they really are able to roll with it that way because you have like you're now uh you have this split personality it's it's you your agent and also the uh majestic 12 nro delta wetworks guy who's in your head now too so in times of of uh trouble you can count on him to get you out you know if you fail your uh if you get hit by a uh a firearm attack while you're in the middle of a firefight, yeah, then the nro delta guy who lives in your brains going to take over now, and he's the one who's steering your meat puppet
3: and the the player the player I'm thinking of here is really great because what she did with that when she made that character into into an NPC for a later delta green operation was she wrote um that. The guy who is the alternate personality—that's like a real guy. That isn't just a, a you know, a figment of her imagination. There's a guy who was uploaded there by brain eating through ghoul, ghoul bullshit. But this guy is in here, and he will, like you said, take control when things get ugly. But his impression of when things get ugly and like a normal person's impression are not the same. So he might be really good at casting spells and killing people, but. He might bust that out in a circumstance that is not appropriate because he was he is he also had like thirty sand. So he's over, overly exact stimulated. I don't remember what the exact circumstances was, but it it's um it's a case where this this the function of this thing might be to defend itself, and it has a very broad interpretation of what constitutes a threat to its life. This other person.
0: That's an interesting. That kind of lines up with how Ken Height discusses it in Height's Black Agents, where he says that in some respects, the alternate personality is a way for you to escape from stressful stimuli. Like if you're this hardened killer, then your alternate personality might be a child or a priest, someone who has not and would not ever kill another human being. But he also adds in that, uh If you have multiple personalities, then whichever personality is best suited for whatever problem you're currently facing comes to the fore automatically, which means that probably if someone pulls a gun on you, your original character is coming back to shoot that asshole first.
3: There was a character in um, Blindsight, the novel, like this, uh, where she had... Um, had an operation done deliberately to basically increase her processing power and skill set by fissioning her brain into like five different people, each of whom was good at a different thing. So there was a guy who was good at data processing but also beating the shit out of people. There was another person who had better social skills. There were people who were good at different physical acts and who would. And so whoever got to be in the driver's seat of the body at any different time might not be the same person who was talking while the other ones were thinking about important stuff. And it caused some problems for the character but was uh, – basically in that, in that circumstance only a benefit most of the time because it was something that was deliberately engineered to the character. And I did a similar thing into Eclipse Phase where I had a character who um, would carry around a bunch of edited minds in his uh, – basically in his pocket that had been edited to do whatever he told them and were all really good at certain tasks. And he had a Ghost Rider implant, so whenever he wanted to um, be good in a fight, he would plug the fighty one in, and the fighty one would take control of his body and just just, just clean up, because he wasn't good at fighting at all, so he had to rely on his um, basically this Janissary that lived in his head. So uh, this is all kind of very theory crafty, because like I said, I wouldn't use this disorder for mm. most circumstances, because I don't think. I, I like what you said about how to create like a, a semi believable um, other.
1: Uh, yeah, because like, like you,
3: you don't just necessarily pull it out of the ether, yeah. But I think it's more appropriate for something like Knight's Black Agents, which is very tonally different from Delta Green.
0: Yeah, Knight's Black Agents is very much... It very much leans into the pop culture depiction of a lot of mental illnesses. Uh, for, I don't know if we really want to go back on this... But their version of Amnesia is you forget your entire life history up to and including the trauma that gave you Amnesia, Jason Bourne style, which I'm not really sure how you make that work unless the character is... Coming into the first session with that,
3: yeah, I do feel like the thing that happens there is then the the um, the other characters after the adventure, like, okay, so get this: we live in this world where there's a vampire and he's fucked up and he's trying to kill us. He gave you this disorder, and they show you like all the film footage that they took, and then your guy is like, "Well, f- fuck, all right, I guess." Like it, yeah, it feels like a problem that kind of solves itself because if you really are this tabula rasa, then it's pretty easy to get you back up to speed. Like uh, Latro in the Mist. Yeah,
0: and one of the mechanical effects of that is uh, Gumshoe has a lot of skills where the more points you put into them, the more you can assign categories to use for those. Like Languages is the obvious one where the more points in Languages kind of you have an increasing number of languages you can speak, but also the more points in drive you have, the more point like the more different kinds of vehicles you can operate, or the more points in urban survival, the more international cities you're familiar with. And you can't assign any of those blanket categories if you have amnesia, because you don't remember which ones you have, like which ones you've experienced before. The more points you have in your
1: dissociative identity disorder, the more personalities that you have within you. It does mention that that
0: once people with in the pop culture depiction, I guess once you have DID, it's very easy for you to start splitting off more personalities. It's like a Pokemon, you know, you gotta collect them all.
3: One of the interesting things about DID is that I think some, and that might be, I might be wrong about this, but some uh, brain science type people like to put it in the same basket as uh, schizophrenia. And schizophrenia is one that doesn't appear in the Agent's Handbook, and I feel like it's probably for this for two reasons. One is that it's not necessarily something that develops with trauma. It can be exacerbated by trauma and comorbid with other trauma-type brain problems, but it's more like a genetic or chemical thing.
1: Yeah, I know they explicitly mention in Unknown Armies that they're not going to touch schizophrenia.
0: I can't remember why. Well, that's interesting because schizophrenia is in Night's Black Agent's.
3: How is it presented? Why they there? Drawing the line there. Uh, How is I happen it presented to have my Agents. copy.
0: Let me look through it real fast. So while you guys talk uh, about that in Knights Black Agents? It's essentially another tool for gaslighting your players. It's essentially you have varying hallucinations. Uh, one of them is I forget the ex- I didn't look at it too closely because it didn't match up with anything in Delta Green. But I think one of the things it mentions is that sometimes Knights Black Agents has a system where you can create helpful NPCs called contacts who can gather information or do favors for you. And I believe that a lot of the time, any contacts you create while you have schizophrenia are not actual real people. You're just doing them yourself. And so any of the other players who look too closely, to you realize you're, I'm not sure like you're just talking to people who don't exist.
3: I think that the other reason why um, I was going to say that the other reason why, why it's not in Dalton Green is that it might just be too much overhead because you're, Effectively crafting an entire, like like you just said, crafting an entire parallel reality for one character to inhabit. Oh,
1: here, here I found it. Uh, we have not included schizophrenia, multiple personality disorder. A great many people have misperceptions about these, and we don't want to reinforce any incorrect information out there. Believed to be, MPD is believed to be the result of severe and re- repeated traumatic betrayals in childhood. Uh, we also don't want to split your attention if you're dealing with two personalities, both may become caricatures. Uh, then they go on to say about schizophrenia, uh, yeah, yeah, it's about a fractured reality, so that it, it's just what you've just described, that they don't want to have to invent two different narratives for you to play in.
3: Well, isn't Unknown Armies a game that's already about fractally generating a a narrative as your players experience it? I think you mean procedurally? I think that I mean what I say, even when it's wrong. So
2: you're saying Unknown Armies is a game in which the longer you play it, the more games of Unknown Armies you end up with?
3: That is objectively true. Yes. The longer you play Unknown Armies, the more games of Unknown Armies you have. See?
2: The the Mandelbrot set of
0: RPGs. With the fractal, you keep playing Unknown Armies within Unknown Armies, that's literally the basis of a new RPG based on a Kieran Gillen comic. You're a bunch of people who sit down. You oh, play yeah. a bunch of people who sit down to play Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Uh, I've read the first two issues of it. Uh, Tom is pretty good. Oh, nice. I should pick that up, they they're also revisiting childhood trauma and coping with amnesia and uh, false memories and stuff, too, so...
3: I think it's interesting that that game that we just talked about on Nun Army said we don't want to, like, reinforce the bad portrayals. Because, like, what do you guys think you're doing with all the other, like, disorders in there? Like, even if you're presented sensitively, like, it's people are still not going to... No, no,
1: most, uh, most... I misspoke. It's, it's more like... Uh... They don't want to. Uh, it's there's still a lot about those that aren't known, and they don't want to oh. misattribute information. Much like we started off our podcast here. With there's there's a lot about
2: that's unknown, much like the armies. Ah. And scene.
3: So. Uh... We wanted to talk about paranoia as a disorder because we felt that it's too, um, it's a bit similar to what um, Delta Green is already like in, its, in the way that it affects the actions. Like we say that as a joke, but yeah. like...
1: I mean, you know, if you tell someone to roll alertness and then nothing happens, well, they're just going to like spend the next five minutes trying to figure out
0: what it was they missed. Right. There's sort of a meta concern where because you as a player know you're playing a horror game... You know something bad is going to happen to you at some point, And so you're always like on your tiptoes looking around waiting for it. And so just the normal player's aversion to danger is pretty indistinguishable from what you might call paranoia within that world, even if it's just a general trait and not really a mental illness. So you need specific directions, I think, to make paranoia something interesting and notable.
2: I think paranoia is one that's going to lean heavily on the handler, because I've seen this done, where in describing events, the handler will, for the benefit of the agent with paranoia, describe things either a little more suspiciously or draw attention to things that sound suspicious, but really aren't. Like, for instance, uh, you see a car behind you, you're pretty sure you saw that same car behind you two blocks ago, or, you know, agents, whatever... Your your fellow agents uh, usher you into the building. You can see one of them's got a gun. That, I mean, I think that might be something I'd be interested in doing is just, you know, creating false dangers all around. And it it would also rely a little bit on the other agents because the other agents could then. I think we touched on this a little bit when we talked about playing to lift where the other agents can lean into it, too, and be like, no, no, you you go ahead. I'll cover you.
0: Yeah, exactly. We We did mention Paranoia specifically as one for that a great episode folks you should go back and listen to it again and i think that's a like and subscribe and we're not really getting into it here but i think that is one of the advantages of as a handler if you do want to read up on some of these disorders that you can really play into the symptoms uh when you're describing things for an affected character just kind of color their perceptions based on how their brain is working or not working i want that guy to get his
1: fucking hands out of his pockets that's it That's my paranoia bit. I was also going to say,
0: I did come up with two possible sets of more specific mechanics for paranoia, if anyone's interested in hearing those. Oh yeah, lay it on me, Tom. So one idea I had was that when another character offers you help with something, you need to roll sand to accept it because you think they might be trying to sabotage you, or conversely, if someone asks for your help. You need to roll sand to resist temptation to sabotage them because how do you know they're not going to turn around and betray you at some point And you want to get you want to be prepared. I do that only on like select rolls though, like like critical ones, like you've
1: said. Uh, you know, I'll be up here on the hill with the rifle covering you. I bet you
0: will. Motherfucker ain't covering me.
2: Cover this.
0: Yeah, or the the agent who has. The good firearms doesn't have maybe the best intelligence or accounting, so they ask you to buy it for them. Sure, you can buy that rifle. Doesn't mean you're gonna necessarily give them all the bullets they need. That's funny. That uh, that happened
1: without paranoia. At a game I ran last year, where somebody wanted a gun, and the other guy was like, "Well, hey, how do you how do you, do you know how to do this?" And the other person was like, "No." So they just gave him a gun with no bullets in it because they didn't trust them inherently, like without the without paranoia. So that does speak to the whole, uh, this is the default state of Delta Green. Yeah, there you go.
3: With paranoia, one way you could do it, because I like like that it's a mirror of megalomania where um, you cannot succeed on certain skills. There's one proposal that I see written here in the document.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, my other conception was that like megalomania, paranoia blocks you from using certain skills. So I'm not 100% on which ones that would be. My initial thought was it would be something like, alertness and human and intelligence times five because you can't distinguish imaginary threats from real threats so every time you try to look for something dangerous you're just blindsided and overwhelmed by all the things that could be happening in your mind
3: Then i would try um a slightly different approach where if you're paranoid then um This one I might not actually do because it's a lot of overhead, but it could be worth a shot, is if you're paranoid, um, I can think of a good way to make the players paranoid is that when you are paranoid, the GM rolls the skills for you and doesn't tell you whether you succeeded or failed. You can intuit based on the evidence, but you don't get a numeric description of success or failure. That's a good one, I like that. Because that's that's technically how we should be doing shit like alertness and humant already, so what if you just do that for the whole life? And there's some cases where it's obvious, like I shoot the gun at the guy, but...
0: Yeah, I think it's like you said that doing it for their whole life might be might be a little too much overhead. That sounds like a good thing to do during uh, an acute episode where it's really like gripping them. There's a couple of uh, disorders that are just really, really close to
1: being the same things. Like I'd say, obsession, totemic compulsion, and obsessive
0: compulsive disorder. They they sound similar obsessive compulsive I actually didn't write this down but I had a weird idea actually for something you could do for obsessive compulsive disorder too so obsessive compulsive disorder as the name suggests leads to a lot of uh compulsive behaviors and sometimes these behaviors are referred to as rituals so what if you gave oh. what if you gave someone with OCD Ooh. a ritual that supposedly keeps them safe or has some other special effect and it don't... No, in their no. mind, it only works for them, but if, you, like it. if you teach I it to really another like player, that. it doesn't actually do anything. You just realized you just realized this is something their brain has invented to try and maintain stress. Because,
1: correct me if I'm wrong here, it's usually like, you know, this person, it's, it's tied to like a feeling of helplessness because something happened to this person that was out of their control. So, for example, their uh, mom died in a car crash, so now every time they prepare to get into a car, they have to do like a full 20-point safety inspection
0: and or just, you know, something like that. Right. It's a it's a way of asserting control over your environment. Uh in the Chris Straub webcomic Brood Hollow, the main character essentially has a form of OCD where his compulsion is every time he enters a room, every every door or container lid or the drawer on a cabinet, let's say they all have to be either wide open or completely shut. He can't stand it if they're only a little bit open. And if he finds one that is like that, he has to open it all the way, slam it shut three times in a row to make sure it sticks. Nice. That'd be real good because
1: there are, I mean, hypergeometry rituals that do offer protection to you. Like, uh what is it? The pentagram one? Yeah, Pentagram of Power supposedly protects you from unnatural uh, things and then Elder Sign like repels them. So having someone with uh, OCD that has to perform a ritual for like their own kind of safety dance,
0: that's good, man. Thanks. It's essentially, to borrow Will's favorite term, it is essentially a form of gaslighting with a special handout attached to it.
2: Handouts and gaslighting, two of my favorite things.
0: Oh man, can't wait to see what you do with this
1: idea. Melon, one of your favorite One of my favorite characters of yours has a really interesting uh, totemic compulsion.
3: Which character would this be?
1: I'm talking about um, your boy Erebus.
3: Yeah, so Erebus the firefighter is a firefighter who um, his primary abilities are that he has 80% in melee weapons and like 80% in athletics. So he's really good at throwing bombs and hitting people with his axe. And one day the... Handler mentioned offhand that one of the things that we had found was a magical knife that could strike, um, anything, regardless of its bullshit supernatural damage resistance or, you know, hit on odds, evens, whatever. And I was like, okay, I I have the book here that he used to create the magic knife, so I don't give a shit what it costs, I'm gonna do it. So he, like, spent most of his sanity to make the magic axe and then really just beat some ass with it. He, like, you know, I think at this point he has killed, um, several... He also killed a moose with it, which is like a big wow. deal. But the point... we Cut, cut all this stupid shit out. The the point a is this is hard. It's hard, yeah, but he uses this axe to to hit things because he's um, adapted to violence now. He doesn't give a fuck. And his axe is now... He's totemically compelled to have it, so he can't ever get on... We had, I think we talked about this in a previous episode. He can't ever get on an airplane because um, he has to have it with him at all times. And if they try to take it away from him, he'll hit them with it. No, just fucking oh, kill them. I was going to because... say he
1: just, like, start sweating, like, and thinking about it and checking his luggage.
2: But I guess, you know, killing them is a good other alternative. I, I think we had that exact exchange in the episode where we talked about that.
3: Yeah, the luggage thing was the way we did it. But um, I think that what it would happen is he would try to take it through the TSA and then he'd hit them with it. Because that's more interesting than... Um, like arguing with Alaska over whether you should have to pay fifty dollars for check bags, but anyway, yeah, of so compulsion is great because it is a it is an, a logical consequence for use of a magic item that helps you a lot. So if you have a special um, weapon or a clever spell, well, not a clever spell, because that's a different thing that I'd like to talk to talk about later. Um, but if you do something that with it with an item that should not behave that way, then that is a great. This order to give that person's totemic obsession with it.
1: I think of, uh, I mean, besides weapons, I think of a lighter of being a good totemic compulsion item. It's like light, it has got you out of some trouble before, so you come to rely on it. And you can use it to light your anxiety cigarettes. Use the sword of Corvaz to light your cigarettes.
0: Using the what now? It's the giant broadsword that summons fire vampires when you swing it.
3: I'm almost a hundred percent sure Jake summoned the fire vampire with it at some point. Yes,
0: you did. You got to
3: use I that at one three,
0: point. I summoned three in a row
1: because my guy didn't understand what was happening.
3: It only cost. It's. It's like it's from old, um, old Delta Green. and It only cost one willpower per fire vampire. That's
0: oh wow. And you used it to burn down the library of a magic witch, who the only thing that could piss her off was taking or damaging any of her books.
3: I mean, one hundred percent real talk.
0: Yeah, no- Norman did fucker. nothing wrong.
3: Like real, no, like actually, though, Angir Gear had been holding that town hostage for long I, enough. I
0: pulled my punch because Mosin was about to do it on his turn, and I decided. no, I didn't really foreshadow this. I'm gonna. It wouldn't be fair for him to just fuck over all you guys like that, and then boom, next turn, <laughs> Agent Norman has it in his hand, and he's doing the exact same thing.
3: No, you know what it is. Um, it's like the the drill. Post where he said just step away from the computer, no one has to get <laughs> owned today. Six year old. Fuck you.
0: Who the fuck is outside my house telling me put down the magic sword? Show yourself coward. I will never put down the magic sword. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was what is it about the zoo or I'll face I'll face God and walk and walk backwards into hell.
3: My I think my favorite of all those posts is the one where he says, Oh, so you have read a few academic papers on the subject? Cute. I have read over ten thousand posts, cause that's fucking me. It's just it's like the ten thousand
1: boomer posts. posting like Facebook stuff. No, a- that's
3: really good. Like it's it's very it's very surreal, which is why I like it. It's that kind of absurdist humor. But I do have another thing I wanted to say about disorders. Um, one that I really like from a game called Eclipse Phase is impulse control disorder, which is that if you're presented with an opportunity to do something, then you have to do it, and it can be stuff like. You have to fuck with um, the alien artifact or the the AI treasure or stuff like Most that. Most often,
2: the way I've used it is is as you have to advance the plot now.
3: Mm-hmm. But the thing that um, I think that it would work as a better because in in Delta Green you have hypergeometry addiction. as like you're addicted to cast the spell. It's like oh, I think it should be um, closer to the way that impulse control disorder works, where you're making you're either making sand tests or you're paying sand. Uh, to not do the thing. Like, if you have the, the green box full of treasure, you have to pay in sand or make these sand tests to not use the. to not, like, start picking things up and playing with them.
1: When you get to the nine layered puzzle box,
3: we're not doing this again.
1: Uh, one of my favorite settings is uh, the Dreamlands. And those are, like, really rife with uh, good places to put addiction or obsession uh, to attach to it. Because the Dreamlands is a place where, like, everything can go your way and you can bend reality to your will. So of course you're going to want to go back there, which I think is like the premise of uh, Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, right? It's the guy who longs for a day on the earth because he's been trapped in the dreamlands for so long. He's going through withdrawals. He can't get his fix. So if you have like the spell that takes you to the dreamlands,
0: you're absolutely going to have an addiction um, to going there. That's almost like a reverse sleep disorder. Roll sand to see if you can bring yourself to wake up. Why would you want to though? Well, exactly. As you lose sand, it gets harder. You can't really convince yourself it's worthwhile. I have a difficulty in uh,
1: distinguishing between addiction and obsession, like as disorders in the game.
0: Uh, Well, addiction, obviously, I think the focus is pursuing the object of your addiction to the extent that it's self-destructive, whereas obsession, the way it's written, it's more just like all-consuming, intrusive thoughts, and so anything that takes... Too much concentration, uh, just can't perform at it. I think Obsession is kind of a loosey-goosey one, yeah. Do we have anything else, guys?
2: Uh, I want to circle back to Amnesia, actually, for a sec. Uh, Let's do some a little bit of live game design here. What would you guys think about uh, a character who has Amnesia who gets a flashback in the middle of a stressful situation? Um, Maybe... Taking increasing sources of sand loss by by plus one or something because they're re-traumatizing themselves because because they're they're the the current trauma reminds them of a repressed trauma.
3: I feel like that is a um, that is a good mechanic in search of a disorder to be associated with, and I don't know if I'd pick amnesia no? for it. I. I'm seeing, like, the justification you're throwing out for it. However, I think I want to preserve amnesia for the um, the edited memories thing that I discussed, and I want to find a different disorder that fits the thing that you're talking about. Because I like the mechanic. I just wouldn't necessarily associate it with amnesia because I want to keep amnesia for the, like, blank check for the handle to cash in later. So I'm trying to think of what type of disorder essentially makes your sanity more fragile and recalls back the traumatic events. Like, maybe, maybe PTSD. PTSD, yeah. Because PTSD is is kind of, is one of the ones that's kind of poorly mechanically specified.
0: Yeah, I get, that would make sense because that is a symptom of PTSD, right? You are essentially reliving the traumatic experience.
3: Well, it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's it I don't know if it's necessarily reliving, but it's um is it's it's partly um. There's certain aspects of it that are almost better um, encapsulated by the adaptation rules because it's being primed to react in a certain way to um, a genuinely dangerous stimuli and then confusing just normal shit for that stimuli is a big part of it. And yeah, that's so it's, 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 it's the partly the reliving, but also it's that um, you have a, a behavior that's maladaptive in your current circumstances but was previously essential to your survival. But honestly, there's plenty of other disorders that are like that because most of the phobias are also connected to at least in the delta green system are connected to the initial bad experience that you got that caused you to be afraid of the thing
0: uh we haven't talked about phobias yet but i think the way they handle them is pretty smart and pretty simple it's just uh when you encounter the the source of the phobia it triggers either a flight or freeze temporary insanity i would maybe allow fight if it was something like uh arachnophobia since there are enough spider monsters in dg is there just a, I don't see a,
1: um, just a general phobia as a disorder. There's enclosure-related there phobia
0: isn't? and lagiraphobia, like fear of loud noises. Sorry,
2: where, what, what kind of phobia? I'm not going to say uh, it.
0: Uh, ligma-phobia. <laughs> you can't make me. But you're
2: thinking it. I, I have ligma-phobia. I think we all do.
1: No, but there, there actually there, there isn't like just uh, general phobias for you to assign and uh, I know in the past I've dished that out to people before. Like given
3: You've given people Legma? Your... Oh, wait, no, because you gave Carl Legma in that one game.
1: Yeah. No, I've given um, Arachnophobia before. I think someone just mentioned that one. Because, uh, you know, seeing
2: the uh, uh, like nacha spiders and stuff. Was that the one where Tom's agent replaced his um, amygdala with a spider?
0: That is indeed the one.
2: It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I got a lot of mileage out of that gift from the mist. Wait, this is this is the one
3: that I get really pissed off at.
2: The spiders can get through your
1: fucking hazmat suit, Melon. Just get over it. They come from another dimension. Why can't they just
3: Fuck pass through the rubber? And you are the intersection of where I've parked my car today.
1: Anyways, what other um, phobias would you guys give out besides legirophobia, ligma phobia, and? Uh... What is it? It's uh, the, the one about heights and the one about... Wait, no. Uh, uh, there's not there's not one about heights, but there's certainly a... Yeah, agoraphobia, which is open spaces and claustrophobia is the enclosed spaces, and those are the only ones in the book. But yeah, acrophobia is the fear of heights. Uh, what
0: else, guys? Is I it would said say... Darkness? I'm not sure what the official term for it is, but a fear of darkness, like...
3: Nick, Nick, Nick the There was a There was a scenario called that yes, one there. Yes, there was a there was. second scenario.
0: Good, good remembering.
3: Yeah, that was a... That one was, was, it wasn't like actually a, I wouldn't actually call that a scenario, but it was pretty good. It was like a neat meta um, concept that you can layer across a different Delta Green Adventure. That's
1: good. I I used to have that um, all the way up until I was like 16 years old, actually. Uh, because my parents would always make me bring a plate of food to my grandpa who lived about a quarter mile up the road from us and they wouldn't let me take the car sometimes. So I would have to just dead sprint a quarter mile, uh, through the middle of the night down the road to my grandpa's house. Uh, but good came of it. Cause then I ended up being on like the state track team. So uh, so that's a uh, example of your, uh, flight mechanic just run run con rounds apparently yeah or if it's freeze
0: you just have to find somewhere to hide and hope
1: nothing finds you exactly um acrophobia is the fear of heights i mentioned that one uh coolrophobia is uh clowns and then uh triska which is really fun to say that's of the number 13 Those is just off the top of my head i'm not sure how relevant those
0: are to delta green That almost sounds like an obsession because I imagine until you have, like, part of the phobia would be you start seeing the number 13 everywhere because you're so attuned and afraid of it. It's that Jim Carrey movie, uh, 23.
2: Unironically enjoyed that movie. It was just weird enough. You know, all the
1: characters from Lost would have uh, a number-related phobia, Uh, like Hugo has it, uh, Hurley, because it's the lottery numbers, but they also end up getting him cursed on the island, and then you see the numbers everywhere inside of Lost.
3: What phobias do we think are actually going to come up in Delta Green that aren't just me?
1: hydrophobia, if you have an aquatic-based adventure.
3: Um... How about instead of hydrophobia, we go with thalassophobia? That's a good instead one. of being afraid of the water, you're afraid of the sea. That's good. Although there there is there is a place for being afraid of water, I feel like the sea is a, like a more specific. Um, it, it would be a better fit for the one that I would. Uh...
0: So here's a here's a wild oh,
1: one. Oh, is that snakes?
0: Of, is that fear yeah. of snakes? Yeah. Nice. Uh, hemophobia is the fear of blood. What's the one where it's like fear of small holes? Tryphobia.
3: Trichophobia.
0: Uh,
1: Melon hates when I post those photos yeah. in the chat, man.
3: If you fucking post it again, I'm gonna fucking ban you. <laughs> really? Um, I, it depends on which photo. Which if if, if it's the photo I'm thinking. What's of. the one?
1: So there's like the uh, lotus uh, petal, the lotus, the lotus uh, flower seed pod, or something lo- like
3: lo- that. Lotus, lotus pod, lotus pods by themselves are fine. Lotus pods in the human body, 100. No, those aren't real, right? Uh-huh. It's,
2: it's photoshopped.
3: I know that they're not. It's not about feathers. It's photoshopped. <laughs> You're photoshopped. How about how about you Photoshop yourself posting in this Discord, which you'll need to do <laughs> if you post that?
0: Nice. Lay down the
2: letter. Have... <laughs> I'll
1: put brackets around it so it doesn't do the preview image.
3: <laughs> it doesn't honor resolve. That's the. I was trying to think of what because like there's there's like a bunch of worse ones out there than that even. for well, that trypophobia. one I was thinking.
0: It's. I think it's heavily tied to the fear of parasites, right? And there are a lot of parasites with it. Yeah, absolutely. Like having
3: having holes in it's my evolutionary, body. Evolutionary
0: uh, psychology. It's like
1: uh, it's uh, your brain telling you, "Hey, that thing's disease. Get away from it."
0: Yeah, but I'm also thinking. I wonder if you could do something like uh, if that could be. Instead of let's say claustrophobia, that could be triggered by ghoul warns or something like that, like underground tunnels. Not even just being inside, just the the point where they emerge out into the surface. Right? Or is that too big? Or
1: no, no, it's good because then uh, when you drive by a uh, like the poorer part of town where like the bricks are uh, given way on the side of people's houses, so they have like the holes on the side of people's houses or the manhole um, in the road that's open or where they're doing construction, or anywhere, you know, that's good. And how many times uh, do you have an adventure where you have to, like, go into a cave of some sort, and you'd have to overcome your phobia to go down there?
3: Um, What about, I want to go back to this fear of parasitism, though, because there's lots of disorders that are based around, um, like, thinking that medical stuff is happening to you.
1: Oh, yeah, that's, uh, like, you could link that to paranoia, almost. Like, you know, a lot of people don't trust their doctor, but... What, if you've been the result of, like, a MJ-12 experiment or something?
3: There's almost too much of it that goes into actual um, brain damage, brain problems. Like, you can get different, uh, you can, depending on, because I, I was reading a Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, and there's there's all kinds of brain issues that you can have where you're convinced certain things about your body. Like, you can think that your body is dead. I think that's Cotard's delusions, that you think your own body is dead. And then there's one where you think that a certain limb on your body doesn't belong oh, yeah. to you. That it's someone else's, and the case in the book where he described this was that it was a guy who had um, he kept falling out of bed, and they asked him, you know, why is it that you keep falling out of bed? It's not like you're rolling around or anything, and he said it's because um, I keep waking up, and I guess someone for a prank keeps putting a leg in my bed, and I push the leg out because it's not it's just a piece of trash I don't want it, and then I fall over. It's his own leg, and it That's was because He was pushing his own leg out of the bed, and. The problem with that, besides the fact that he later contracted legma, was that <laughs> he,
1: Ooh, you, he you absolute madman.
3: <laughs> he had that as a result of a lesion in his brain, and that's the that's the basic problem with all this like disorder stuff. Is that there's disorders that are um, disorders that can be like you know his traumatic condition adapted to a new set of circumstances that are now maladaptive in the world that you find yourself in, um, and then there's stuff that can happen because of like I got a big head injury and the part that links my eyeballs to my ability to recognize my friends is fucked up so now I think someone's is replaced with an impostor like uh cap capricious delusion
0: yeah i was going to say there are there are some really cool things you could do in terms of gaslighting your players with that sort of thing but it doesn't really fit into they're almost like injuries in a sense like that would be something maybe you contract from uh
3: a, 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 like a, a falling to 2 HP. Yeah,
0: exactly. Something where you almost died and now this is the result of it, rather than you lost a bunch of sand. Ooh,
3: ooh. The illusion that a long, drawn-out sequence of running around on a planet where nothing happens is interesting. Or Caprica's delusion.
0: What is this? <laughs> what is
3: this? To to fucking Battlestar okay. Galactica. I figured
0: Maybe. it was a meme, but I wanted to be sure.
3: Yeah, so... so the series of brain problems is more appropriate for um, like traumatic head injuries, which there was like a whole PDF of that shit released a while back. What's the um, one
2: where you lose the ability to associate words with concepts that they all had in that one DS9 episode?
3: Oh, um, it's not it's not aphasia because aphasia might, I think might it be aphasia because there's like a million different kinds of aphasia that you can have. One thing that I learned from this book that I keep referencing is that. Um, aphasic people are very good at recognizing tone and like facial expressions so they can get like a good percentage of what you're saying even if you don't even if they don't understand the language at all and they can't speak to you because of um, your inflection
0: interesting that's almost like people with face blindness they they can learn to distinguish people just based on like body shape
3: yeah so there was a guy the, – the the eponymous man who mistook his wife for a hat, he didn't have specifically face blindness. He had something more um, – he had something where it wasn't just that he was blind to faces but that he would um, have trouble with other uh, matching v- visual – it wasn't that he could – it was your trouble with language. It was with visual objects. And so um, the famous incident was that he mistook his wife for a hat and tried to reach – over to her head and pick it up and put it on top of his own head. He couldn't do that because it was a human being on his hat. But he had this other problem where uh, the guy handed him a gl- the guy like held him a glove and he was like, "What is this object?" And the guy was looking at the glove and he was like, um, "I don't know, like a change purse maybe. It's got five different pouches for holding like five different sizes of coin. Uh, I mean, it's made of leather, right?" And uh, he could not from looking at it tell what it was. It was only when he like had to h- held it in his hands and turned it over that he realized it was a glove
0: interesting huh
3: the basic problem i would never do that i wouldn't i wouldn't ever do anything like that in delta green because i would have to spend my entire time as that player trying to get inside the head of someone who had that problem in their brain i would have to constantly think like how would a guy who had this specific condition react to this stimuli
2: That's all we have this week. In the description of this episode, you'll find links to the R Night at the Opera subreddit and Discord server, and to all our various social media pages. Thanks again for listening to The Green Box. Until next time, we'll be in touch.